0: This episode of Riffs on Riffs is brought to you by DistroKid. Welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the surprising connection between songs past and present, and share the fascinating stories that make music a universal language. I'm Joe Watson, I'm here with my co-host... Braswell. <laughs> What's up, my friend? <laughs> uh, I'm good, man.
1: I like the little remix that you threw yeah, in there. you know, you were expecting, so, like Charlie Puth says, you were waiting for right, the drop, right? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you? You know, actually, you know what? Let me answer that question for you. You've got to be feeling pretty good after taking the plunge and eating some of the meat that you smoked last weekend. I mean, how was that entire process?
0: Whew, I'll tell you one thing, it's work. We put some serious work in the kitchen this weekend. Thankfully, I had the best of company when I got up at 3 a.m. to get Oof. the pork in the smoker. Yeah, Oof. it did turn out great, especially it was the first time that I've done it. I know I'm like late to the party. Let's just say I'm looking forward to perfecting the process and eating all the yummies along the way.
1: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, be sure to save me a plate for the next time I'm in town. Yes, sir. But enough of that, let's get into what we plan on serving up to the good people on this episode. A while back, we did an episode on craftwork, and our listeners could tell that we were definitely not enthused about their music stylings.
0: You know, I tried to forget that episode. Far from enthused, that is is putting it mildly. So so today we will flip the script and we did some research on groups that for some reason you all love to hate. In the words of Jay-Z, it's about
1: to go down. (laughs) So who do you have for us to start off with?
0: All right, well, first, I have a question for you. Hit me. What do you call four men in a rock group that doesn't sing or play music? Well, I believe we need to travel to the Black Hills of South Dakota for that answer. Mount Rushmore, lock it in. Oh, up. good guess, but no. The correct answer is Nickelback. Hmm, let's well, throw some shade right out the gate, man. Yes, sir. I, well, you know, truth be told, I think there are More jokes about Nickelback on the internet than hits in their catalog. (laughs) It's
1: true. It seems like the trendy thing to do is to hate on this Canadian band. And in the midst of a pandemic, we should all show each other just a little more love. You know, I I hear that one of the symptoms of the coronavirus is loss of taste. Yeah. So my thoughts and prayers go
0: out to all the Nickelback fans out there. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Here's the other thing. I have heard some really disturbing things about their albums. So, yeah, rumor has it, if you play them backwards, you hear messages from the devil. But worse, if you play them forward, you hear Nickelback.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. We could literally do this all day. But how about instead you give us a little history on the band that people love to
0: hate? All right. Well, Nickelback was formed in 1995 by brothers Mike and Chad Kroger, cousin Brandon Kroger, and Ryan Peake. The current lineup is the same, with the exception of Daniel Adair, who's now on drums. And if you're wondering where the band name came
1: from, it's as silly as you'd expect it to be. Originally called Village Idiot, they changed the name because when Mike was working at Starbucks, he'd often say to customers, here's your Nickelback. Really? So let me say this. Nickelback is much better than Village Idiot. If they had (laughs) stuck with that name...
0: Seriously. Maybe they just couldn't decide which one of them
1: That was is a, the actual. That yeah. is, that's a horrible, I mean, you you watch basketball, right? That's sure. a, a technical foul. <laughs> There's two technical fouls, like instantaneously. Like, a, you, you're yeah. out the game. You're mm-hmm. out. On an ejection. <laughs> I don't
0: know. Nickelback's not good. That's like, it's like naming your band Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs>
1: Chad asked his stepdad for $4,000 so they could record their first demo. They spent
0: half the money on the EP, the other half on shrooms. Oh, boy. Okay, once again, <laughs> kids, this is why you do not do drugs. You, Stupid. You sound, well, yes, it's stupid, <laughs> a but then you'll also end up sounding like Nickelback. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> well, they inked a deal with EMI and Roadrunner Records, and in 2000 released The State, in Canada, where the singles Leader of Men and Breathe became top 10 hits. The album would eventually go platinum in both the U.S. and Canada.
0: You know, I heard this This was actually supposed to be like a form of aid from Canada. It was really, really nice of them. How so? Well, you know, we have that U.S. coin shortage, so they wanted to help out, so so they sent us Nickelback. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs>
1: Well, I preferred it much better when they shipped us Doug Flutie and Warren Moon from the Canadian Football League. Right? I mean, at least then we got a quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) You're in rare form to anybody. Rare form.
0: They they may be big in Canada, but at least I'm still big in Japan. Not a truth. <laughs> the only reason you're big in Japan is because you're 6'3, in which
1: case you're big in most places around the <laughs> States. Let me just say that as well.
0: Man, buddy, that I got to tell you, that hurts. That, that, <laughs> that hurts more than a nickelback listening party. Oh, this boy. Is-
1: in 2001, the band released their third album, Silver Side Up, which contains the first hit and signature song, How You Remind Me. Wait a minute, I'm just getting that. Silver Side Up? I just got Up? that
0: too. How <laughs> funny is that? That we both literally like, hey, when did you Yo. get the Silver Side Up reference? 10 That's seconds That's crazy. Ago. <laughs> okay.
1: I got it. I got
0: it. Well, this is where Nickelback found their lane and it was done with intent. Around this time, Chad Groger began studying the specific ingredients that made a radio hit. Here's a quote. I started studying every piece, everything sonically, everything lyrically, everything musically, chord structure. I would dissect every single song that I would hear on the radio or every song that had ever done well on a chart. And I would say, why did this do so well? Well, How You
1: Remind Me certainly contains all the elements of a pop hit. The universally relatable experience, romantic relationships, a few big hooks, some jazz yes to sing along to
0: throughout yeah. the song. I mean, you could smell the gold record cook it hmm And this is one of the problems that people have with Nickelback. They are often accused of being formulaic and derivative and, well, sort of bland. So do you agree with that at all? I just want your opinion on that. Uh, all right, let me say two things. First, yes, I totally agree with that. <laughs> Every Nickelback song sounds exactly like you would expect. But let, let me also say this, right? So what? It is not a big secret that pop music is heavily formulaic. As a listening public, there's a very small window of sounds that we are actually fond of. So what is the problem with intentionally trying to create music that people like? I mean, we've been doing this forever.
1: Right, right. I think the problem is he said that that was his intent. I think that might be, you know, it, to me, it, that might be part of the issue. People might have read interviews by this guy and like, oh, my God, he's, he's trying to do that. Instead of, had he said something to the effect of, well, hey, oh, you know, we're this being is artistic. The music I feel, uh-huh. yeah, blah, blah, blah. And here's the other thing. Here's the other reason why I'm okay with it. Because I know other cats that have broken apart songs and they have really— Sure,
0: the I've The formulas
1: it. and all that kind of stuff. And they, the song ends up being horrible. because they're weird they go the entirely wrong direction so i'm fine with this it's something i can at least listen to and passing
0: ah no big deal well you know at the end of the day nickelback gets it right with another one of their big hits we all just want to be big rock stars the single rock star
1: off of their 2005 album, All the Right Reasons, was certainly a smash hit. It reached number one in multiple countries and reached the top 10 on multiple charts, including Adult Top 40, Alternative, Rock and Metal, and the Billboard Hot 100. I guess they nailed the whole Universal Themes approach to songwriting once again.
0: Yeah, and I, you know what, that video did not hurt either. Ooh. Yeah. So besides having a laundry list of B-level celebrities, it includes... Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top, who also does the spoken word verses in the song. Which is Nelly cool. F- yeah, it's cool. I didn't, actually, until I saw the video, I had no idea that it was Billy Gibbons. Yeah. Uh, Nelly Furtado, Lupe Fiasco, Kid Rock, Chuck Liddell, Gene Simmons, Ted Nugent, Wayne Gretzky, Grant Hill, Dale Earnhardt Jr. It's, I mean, you've got a little something for everybody in this one. even had Eliza Dushku
1: on there. Do you know who she is? I have no idea who that is. When you apparently have never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer or the Dollhouse show that was out for what two
0: seasons? Are we talking like early Buffy with like Sarah Michelle Gellar? Is that yeah? Oh. That's
1: it. That's it. So she was, yeah. uh, she played the other Slayer.
0: So, okay, yeah,
1: yeah. It was good stuff. It was good to see her again.
0: Would <laughs> <laughs> she, she be under the B-level celebrity moniker? Is uh, that,
1: mm, she's in the alphabet. I don't know if B is quite the <laughs> one. She's a little higher than that. This song also brings up another criticism often leveled at Nickelback, that their lyrics and messaging is all about stereotypical subjects like partying and drugs and strippers. Not really
0: good messaging for the kids, you know? Yeah, definitely not. Well, at least with Rockstar their tongues seemed to be planted firmly in cheek. Chad Kroger had this to say about the lyrics. It's supposed to be sarcastic, but yet stereotypical. We came up with so many lines that were so stupid and so over the top. If they were all funny and kind of true at the same time, then they had to go in the song. So Rockstar is intentionally
1: bad, but what about the rest of their catalog? You have to admit that there's a lack of substance
0: and perhaps even a fifth grade rhyme scheme to most of their lyrics. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the whole presentation is almost it's almost a caricature of what a rock band should be. And there's no question that the lyrics lack like real substance or frankly even like bombast, you know? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold up, hold up. Are you saying that Mr. Bombastic himself, Shaggy, is a better lyricist? Nothing of the kind. It wasn't me. <laughs> No, no, I'm not saying that. But I will say that swinging too far the other way gets you into trouble with critics, too. Okay, for example, I don't think you get much more bombastic than the lyrics like Jim Steinman wrote for the likes of Meatloaf or, you know, Mr. Loaf, if you're nasty.
1: <laughs> there is no question Meatloaf is another act people love to hate. Not me, though. Not no? me. Nope, okay. nope. not me. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> well, well let, done, sir. Let me uh, also say this. You know, <laughs> if I had to have a task to prove my love, and we would have to compromise, you know, if I only liked a couple of them. So in this case, two out of three
0: ain't bad. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Perfect me, You're me here like all Perfect. revved up with no place to go. <laughs> we could do this all day. All right. Well, there's also a certain type of artist that music critics seem to love, and go back, ain't it? Mm-hmm. As David Lee Roth, that is that is the former lead singer of Van Halen to you kids out there. Unless you're like Billie Eilish and you have no idea who Van Halen Oof. is. Anyway, Roth had this to say about music critics. Most rock critics like Elvis Costello because most rock critics look like Elvis Costello.
1: <laughs> that is funny because it's true. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of music critics seem to fan on the most esoteric and boundary-pushing artists because they're edgy or provocative, that's been going on forever. It's mm-hmm. why critics like Kraftwerk.
0: <laughs> no, no. People like Kraftwerk because oh, it reminds boy. them of listening to their dishwasher. They, they like a little <laughs> white noise when they go to sleep.
1: <laughs> I want to apologize to our engineer, Eric. When you synthesize Joe's voice into like a chipmunk wine for this episode, oh, please okay. note that I did not take any unnecessary Digs at your questionable taste in music. <laughs> you, were, you were nothing so good. but love. You Eric. were right
0: there till the end. <laughs> All right. So critics generally hate Nickelback. What about other artists and their peers? Are they are they fans of the band? Nope. Not many fans there either. Nope.
1: (laughs) Let's take, for example, our local boys made good from Akron, Ohio, the Black Keys. Now, here's what drummer Patrick Carney had to say about Nickelback Rock and roll is dying because people became okay with Nickelback becoming the biggest band in the world. So they became okay with the idea that the biggest rock band in the world is always going to be. Therefore, you should never try to be the biggest rock band in the world that rock and roll is the music i feel the most passionately about and i don't like to see it ruined and spoon-fed down our throats in this watered down post-grunge crap horrendous when people start lumping us into that kind of it's like
0: honestly that felt good (laughs) i was gonna say that just that (laughs) that brought like tears to my eyes that that felt really good
1: (laughs) you know what i'm
0: saying That's it. We are no longer doing a family we show. no longer. <laughs> okay, hold up. I'm calling a flag on the play. First off, <laughs> who are you to be dictating what is and what isn't rock, or really any kind of music? True that. I get that you don't like the music, and that's perfectly fine. Everyone has their own taste and opinions. Personally, and I know this is sacrilege in these parts, I'm not a big fan of the Black Keys. I think Dan Auerbach has a cool voice, but frankly, I kind of find their music to be pretty derivative itself and kind of boring. So, you know, there you go.
1: You know, Joe, you make some really, really good points there. I think everyone has a right to make the music they want to be. And, you know, I think the critics and all of that, especially when musicians start talking about other musicians, I'm always kind of skeptical on that. Like, Mm -hmm. ah, man, stand back a little bit. You know, you could receive the same type criticism. You know, let the music breathe and let the
0: fans be the judge. Totally, right? If there's Fans out there, then clearly there's an, you know there's an audience and people are connecting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but here's another point I want to make about this specifically. This quote, Patrick Carney, like he's a crappy musician. He's admitted as much. (laughs) Like he's flat out said. This is a quote from him. I'm not a very good drummer. But and here's the rest of the quote. But that's the thing: kids that were in my high school jazz band were focused on being good. They weren't focused on being creative, and none of those guys ever became musicians. And then all of my friends who are musicians, they were never focused on being the best. I think it's a pretty narrow worldview there uh, on music, and and I just get, I get really tired of this notion that somehow good musicians are not creative or they're not as cool. You know what else isn't cool? Intentionally sucking because somehow you think it makes you more authentic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's say this. Let me say this. He didn't say that he intentionally sucked...
0: He just Actually, saying, he has. He's kind of said that because he he started. I mean, the only reason he started playing drums is because in their two piece they needed somebody to do it. And then he's 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 said like, I don't want to learn how to play. Like, I'm okay with sucking and whatever. So, which is fine. Like, that's great. But then, uh, how do you get off kind of criticizing other people who maybe actually learned how to play their instruments and are interested in getting better and seeing where that takes them? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know.
1: No, I hear you. You make some really good points there. You know, and yeah, I get it. I have nothing else. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're all right. right. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we put some black keys alongside the Nickelback tracks on this playlist for this episode? And you know what else we need to put it on the playlist? What's that? Please tell me it isn't Kraftwerk. <laughs> then, you know what? We are going to put some Kraftwerk, just just so I don't sound like Alvin. <laughs> no, we're going to put some, some Charlie Daniels. Well, that's interesting. Why are we doing that? Well, because for some reason... Nickelback just released a cover of "The Devil Went Down to Georgia" by the Charlie Daniels Band, which is also fascinating because another band that people love to hate, Corn, did the exact same thing earlier this year. So both of these bands have released covers of "The Devil Went Down to Georgia." Wait a minute, wait a minute. People hate Corn. Oh, all right. Maybe that's just me. I'm about Though, to say, yeah. <laughs> Though truthfully, Jimmy cracked Corn, and I don't, I don't care. Okay.
1: All right. All right. Out of the game, sir. Out of the game. You're in the penalty box. You will not be returning.
0: That's a flagrant too, huh? That's it. <laughs> That's it.
1: I'm hoping that both of these bands release covers in homage to Charlie Daniels, who passed away earlier this year.
0: Yeah, I hope Charlie found his golden fiddle. And, you know, because we share random trivia on this show, I want to point something cool out. I learned this when doing the research. So The Devil Went Down to Georgia was inspired by a poem that Charlie Daniels read in high school.
1: That's right. That's right. The poem is called The Mountain Whippoorwill and was written by Stephen Vincent Benet. It's actually a pretty cool poem, and it's easy to see where the inspiration for that song came from. So who does the better
0: cover, Korn or Nickelback? They are both equally, well, I guess what you would expect, right? One thing you can say about Nickelback is that the production has always had a certain professional sheen to it. So look, whether or not you like the band You can't say that they don't have a crafted sound or professional musicianship. Like them or not, uh, there's a product, right? There's a glistening, shiny object that you can go find on the airwaves. All right, Tob. so before we move on, I'm sure that you have another artist that people love to hate.
1: You are so right, sir. But before we get to that, why don't we take a quick break first? Riffs on Riffs, we'll be right back.
0: This episode of Rips on Riffs is brought to you by DistroKid, your ultimate partner for taking your music to the next level. With DistroKid, uploading your
1: songs or albums to online stores and streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube Music is easier than ever. Plus, you can easily pay your collaborators
0: with splits and send large files securely to anyone with instant share. And guess what else? You can get a YouTube official artist channel for free via DistroKid you can send credits to stores, and you can use HyperFollow to promote your release. DistroKid has everything you need to succeed in the digital music landscape. But that's not all. DistroKid now offers a convenient mobile experience with the DistroKid app, available on iOS and Android. With the app, you can manage your releases, track your streaming
1: stats, and even withdraw your earnings, all from the palm of your hand. And for the artists looking to perfect their sound, there's Mixia. With Mixio, you can put the finishing touches on your tracks in minutes, ensuring they sound polished and professional every
0: time. And if you need to share large files securely with collaborators, producers, or playlist curators, look no further than Instant Share. It's free to send up to one gigabyte of files and your music will stream at the highest quality, making the best impression possible. So why wait? Elevate your music career today with DistroKid and unlock a world of possibilities. Riffs on Riffs listeners get 30% off their first year at DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Riffs on Riffs.
1: So now let's get into a discussion about another artist that people love to hate, the Chainsmokers. And before we discuss why people might hate them, let's first tell you who they are. The Chainsmokers were originally composed of Alex Paul and DJ Rhett Bixler, but were reformed into the duo we know them as today with Alex Paul and Drew Taggart. Paul was an art history and music business major while Taggart attended Syracuse University.
0: Taggart wanted to be a DJ and he looked to get recognized for his artistic chops by placing songs on SoundCloud. Adam Alpert, not not Herb Alpert, Adam, (laughs) is the CEO of Disruptor Records from Sony. It's just what I did. I disrupted the flow there. And is also a manager for up-and-coming artists. One of his staff members told Tigert that a spot in the Chainsmokers had opened up since DJ Bixler left the group. This was all the incentive that Taggart needed to head to New York City. So Alpert
1: introduced Taggart and Paul together, and by 2013, they had released a remix of a track called Medicine by a group called Daughter, which reached number one on the music aggregator Hype Machine. Now, Hype Machine is the perfect website for music junkies if you have hours to burn. <laughs> it features up and coming producers who show their skills by making remixes of well known songs. And I wanted to ask you, Joe, if you've ever been
0: on that website at all. Have you ever been to Hype Machine? I, you know, I have not. And I'm actually really glad you turned me on to it. So, back in the day, I don't know if you remember this, but like early on in Spotify, they used to have like different plug-in channels, essentially, where you could, I don't know, just find different stuff. One of them was like an up-and-coming artist thing. And I remember discovering tracks like Thrift Shop from Macklemore, like way before they became hits. So, you know, there are a lot of sites out there that are similar to Hype Machine, and they often have contests just to see who's got talent, right? And I'm sure that record companies are paying attention. So producers can then go find stems or individual parts of songs separated out and then they can go make new remixes with the tracks. It's uh it's a creative playground
1: for sure. sure. And I wish I had more time to play around with stems from a well-known track and not to say that you have the time, but I would love to hear a son of watts remix of a track or two in the not too distant oh, future. Man, that would
0: be so fun.
1: Like, I think so too. Man, I, feel I think you like like would should kill it.
0: We should like do a uh, like a remix day or something where you and I just block off like even just 4 hours and do that. That'd be a blast.
1: That would be it would be fun. But let's stay on track. Let's stay on track. Now, I'm sure that you have two questions in your head right now. At no. least. <laughs> At least two questions, right? So the first being, how did the chain smokers get their name? Mm-hmm. So during an ABC interview, Paul had this to say. At the time of conception, it was it was totally just like I was in college. You know, I enjoyed smoking weed. And, you know, it was just like, yeah, that
0: domain is open. Oh, boy. <laughs> So basically, you can sum it up by saying there was a lot of thought put in the name of this group. Yeah, obviously. I would (laughs) complain about the name, but honestly, after some of the names we've seen just on this podcast alone, I am not at all surprised. I do feel you can only go up from here, though. So, you know what? In fact, I think we should do a whole episode on groups with horrible names.
1: You know what? That would be perfect. Someone needs to explain the name like Toad the Wet Sprocket, (laughs) Hoobastank, right? Ooh. or natalie portman's shaved head come on that's not a real name yes all of those are names of music groups natalie and...
0: portman's shaved head is a band name yes well, yes i gotta i gotta hear what these cats Look, sound like no you I... don't no you don't no you do not
1: no you do not no no you have just looking... giving them more pubs than they probably ever <laughs> I know, had probably, right ever. you're welcome <laughs> you're but right. no one thing you can't say is that these people that came up with these names are lazy. I mean, in my opinion, you
0: have to try <laughs>
1: hard,
0: all right? You got to put in effort to make names this bad. That should be another we should put that on social. Everybody hit us up with like what's your worst band name? Like make one up. Right. All right. Well, let's get back to the Chain Smokers and the second question that a lot of people have, which is why do folks love their music, but intensely dislike the actual musicians. All right, so first, let's discuss the music. It is undeniable that these guys have hits. Their first breakthrough hit, Selfie, debuted on the Billboard Dance electronic chart at number 19, and in two weeks, they sold more than 60,000 downloads and debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 at number 55. As of June 2014,
1: Selfie had sold more than 865,000 copies in the United States alone. And maybe that's the reason why I think it's one of the most annoying songs that I've heard (laughs) in a long time. Now, if you don't believe me, take a listen. It's going to be on the playlist for this episode. Yeah, you know
0: what? I think they got the same girl that uh, did Baby Got Back, right? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, there are a lot of
0: girls that sound like that. Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) all
1: right. Hey, there's that.
0: Maybe that's why it's unlistenable. (laughs) All right, well, they followed that up with more hits like Closer, featuring Halsey in 2016. And this track reached all the way to number one on the Billboard charts and stayed there for 12 weeks. With Closer, the Chainsmokers became the first group to have four songs on the top dance and electronic songs charts, which was a distinction shared by a superstar producer by the name of Calvin Harris. It helped the Chainsmokers get nominated for a Grammy for Best Pop Duo Group Performance at the 2017 Grammy Awards. And in 2018, this song reached diamond, Shine Bright Like a Diamond certification, selling Mm. 10 million copies in the United States alone. That's not even mentioning their other hits,
1: like Don't Let Me Down and the Coldplay collab, something like this. The music is obviously loved and is played on radio stations, iPhones, and Androids across the country. So the question still remains, Why do people dislike them?
0: Well, it might have to do with when they open their mouths, right? So in their interviews, there are several quotes that cast them far from a good light. For example, in a Billboard interview, they described themselves as heavy drinkers. They even joked about dying from alcohol poisoning, but bragged about never being the ones that need to be carried out of the club because they're so good at drinking. And they went on to talk about their motivation for success and I think this
1: quote from Paul says, everything you need to know. Why am I trying to make all this money? I wanted to hook up with hotter girls. I had to date a model.
0: Wow. These guys are like a, like a hard pack of camels, man. No filter. <laughs> That's a good one.
1: That's a good one. I got another one. They're like school during a pandemic. No class.
0: Oh! That's a really good one. You like it? You like it? Well, obviously fans reacted negatively to some of these antics, but they have done nothing but embrace it themselves. Even their bio states that they graduated from high school, like hot chicks in yoga pants, enjoy a good burger, and have been rejected by many venues that they now play at. Yeah,
1: they definitely come off, you know, cocky. And to me, statements like this, <laughs> they're just a cry for help. I mean, it's time for maturity to step in. And it's time for managers to step in, <laughs> right. frankly, right? Yeah. And because you're not going
0: to be making all that money. You keep talking like that. I'm
1: telling you. I'm telling you. I don't care what anyone tells you. All publicity ain't good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when well, they did another interview with Rolling Stone magazine about a month later. And this is what Taggart had to say. Honestly we're two white guys that like to be friendly. We make stupid jokes and like funny movies and we like to party, but so does everybody. You know, it's just, to me, I hear that. I'm like, I just picturing like a really bad Steve Martin impression. Another (laughs) reference none of the kids are going to get, but like,
1: we're just a couple of wild and crazy guys.
0: (laughs) That is accurate. (laughs) Yeah, well, and then in the same interview, Taggart goes on to say that he and Paul don't fight much. And here's his quote on the subject. We fought, like, you know, one time in Mexico, and I don't remember what. We'd just been at a strip club, and we beat each other up in the back of a cab. We have a photo we took of ourselves all bloody afterward. It was just a monument of tequila-driven madness.
1: Note to self, never drink tequila with the chain smokers. It disappoints me that, you know, people, you know, young people, this talented, miss out on opportunities like this to be a role model. not even just a role model to the youth or whatever, but just... Decent. <laughs> right? Right. decent, right? Decent, decent. I totally get being attracted to the party life and whatnot, but I think, you know, there's a time and a place, and I will not even say it's just young people. but just say that, you know, people in general just don't get that this stuff, you know, stuff like this, like those comments, it stays around forever.
0: Yeah, especially now, right? Yeah. And, you know, it brings to mind a sticky situation they had with newcomer sensation Halsey at the time, right? So, it all started when there's an interview and someone asked both Paul and Taggart about Lady Gaga's new single, Perfect Illusion. And they go on to state that, ah, the single sucks, right? So they went all like, you know, Patrick Carney on, on Gaga there. Sucks. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's insane. So so Gaga
1: responded a lot more professionally than, than I would have given the same situation. Essentially said, hey, check out this track instead, referring to her new single at the time for her new album, Joanne, to which the Chainsmokers replied,
0: respect. Yeah. Sometimes when you outclass somebody, that's all. That's the only response you can, you know. Right. So Halsey then tweeted that Gaga was an icon and that she was a fan and excited for her upcoming project. And then a fan made the comment that the producers that helped her land her biggest hit made comments in complete contrast to what Halsey was just saying. To which Halsey replied, what does that have to do with me? My sentiments exactly. This is just a fan trying to
1: start something, right? Reminds me of that Michael Jackson. Why do (laughs) you want to be starting something? Why? (laughs) Why? Why? If we are friends or working together, our opinions don't have to be in lockstep or anything like that, right? This only makes sense. What doesn't make sense is the way that the chain smokers responded to Halsey, right? They basically called her a bald (laughs) <laughs> so wow. you figure it out. You figure it out, whatever
0: you want to put in there. That's, wow. Okay. I truly am like just mind boggling on this. And of course, when they were confronted, they they pulled a modern version of Shaggy, right? And they, they were like, oh, was me. So they <laughs> no. were like, oh, our account, it was been hacked, which come on, like stop how many it. times? Stop it, right? Just stop it. All right, so regardless of what we think about their antics and maybe their maturity level, which hopefully improves as they I don't know how old these guys are, so maybe it'll get better, but their music certainly has mass appeal, so are you a fan?
1: yeah, I think they're one of them is like twenty eight and I think the other one's like thirty all right so yeah thirty two you,
0: you're out of excuses, you should know yeah,
1: better. they're old enough to know better for sure. All right, so the question was, am I a fan? And I actually am. The EDM scene is one that I can't listen to all night, but when in Vegas, it's easy to kind of fall into that scene for an hour or two. And Las Vegas always comes to my mind when I hear a
0: lot of music from their catalog. Well, that makes sense, because they landed a three-year residency at the Wynn Hotel in Vegas and per the agreement, they would only be able to perform in WinOwn owned nightclubs and Encore Beach Club until their contract ended in 2019. It would certainly seem that the Vegas nightlife would be a perfect fit for them, given all of their comments. And it's certainly not hard to find some tequila and a cab to fight in when you're in Vegas. Ain't that the truth. Well, I just want to thank you, partner, for not resorting to fisticuffs
1: on public transportation with me or with anyone else for that matter. <laughs> well, true. You know what, it's
0: just the little things. Uh, with that, my friend, I think it is time to wrap up today's episode. So what all did we cover? Today, we discussed a
1: couple of bands that people love to hate, Nickelback and the Chainsmokers.
0: Hey, Nickelback and the Chainsmokers. That's, that sounds like another really bad band name. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us on this crazy journey. And be sure to check out the playlist for this episode on Spotify and Apple Music. Just do a search for Riffs on Riffs. And while you're at it, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to. It just might help someone else stumble upon our witty banter and really bad puns. Be sure to connect and dialogue with us on social at Riffs on Riffs. And as always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. For Riffs on Riffs. Keep listening. Huzzah.
1: Thanks for listening to Riffs on Riffs. If you've enjoyed today's
0: episode, please leave us a review on your Apple Podcast app. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Eloia, producer, audio engineer, Eric Coltnow, and assistant producer, Declan Roars. You can find Riffs on Riffs anywhere and
1: everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com.
0: I'm Toby Braswell. And I'm your co-host, Joe Watson. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. and listen to something about the Beatles, now at
1: Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.